We're glad to uh, continue in our study of 1 Timothy. So if you're visiting with us, uh, we as a church body, we're going through the letter of 1 Timothy, and it talks about honoring God in His church. Uh, We've heard it before. The church gets its marching orders from God, not the world. Now, that's nice to say. And yet, is it happening? Is it happening? And that's the, uh, the, the business of all of us as a group of people being concerned with what does the Scripture say? What does the Scripture say? Are we tracking along with the marching orders that God has for His church? And whenever these things come up about the, the you know, what's going on with the world, the, the, what's wrong with the world, oh my goodness, we could wax eloquently about that what's going wrong with our political system what's going wrong here and there all all that well first timothy chapter 2 verses 1 through 7 tells the church hey here's god's answer pray now some of you might be thinking well okay that's no big deal yes it is it is important that we pray that's what Chapter 2, 1 through 7 was about. Pray for your leaders. And really, in light of it, in that passage, pray for those that are not saved. Right? No, God gave himself, Jesus Christ gave himself as a ransom for all. The testimony given in verse 6, given at the proper time. Okay? So... The idea of prayer is what we want to be practicing, want to be filled with, be prayerful people. Okay, so that's really we could say. There's the here's the marching orders for the church in this regard. Now there'll be more, but here's one that we you know it was looked at last week, chapter two one through seven. So it's not just marching orders, but he's told us, listen. He's told us in the church how he wants his household arranged. Walk into some of your homes and you have your home arranged marvelously, beautifully, right? There's order to your household. Well, the reason why I say household is you want to look at chapter 3, verse 15. Here's the swing verse the pivot verse for all of 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15 says, In case I am delayed, he's Paul, he's talking, uh, writing, I write so that you will know how one ought to conduct himself in the household of God. Okay? That's another name for the church. He goes on to say, The church of the living God, the pillar and support of truth. So, It helps us to see it better. It's a a good visual for us. Let's walk into a big mansion and understand this is the household of God. Now, we've got to be careful because we don't want to equate this building here saying this is God's uh, church. This is not the church. Monty mentioned it already. We, the people who are believers in Jesus Christ through faith in Christ, we are the church. This is the place we meet. We want to keep this up well. We want to, you know, 
do the remodeling and, and all that. We want to take care of our building, but this, is, this building is not the church. We are the church. And so when I say God also tells us or has told us, past tense, how he wants the household, his household, to be arranged, we need to follow through on this. Okay? So the church, we need to just say this over and over again. The church really is all about God receiving the glory. And it might be that you can say, well, you know, I remember this and this and this that happened and, the, and God wasn't receiving the glory. Well, that, that could be. We need to be called back to giving him glory in all situations. Whether you're on your own, in your own neighborhood, or whether we're gathered together as a congregation, as an assembly, it's all about giving God glory. And that's the point that we're trying to make here with this next passage. We're we're picking it up again in chapter 2, starting at verse 8. And we're, doing, we're looking at 8, 9, and 10. So, verse 8. Therefore, I want to, the men in every place to pray. So he's picking back up where he left off with the issue of praying. I want men in every place to pray, lifting up holy hands without wrath and dissension. Likewise, I want women to adorn themselves with proper clothing, modestly and discreetly, not with braided hair and gold or pearls or costly garments, but rather by means of good works as is proper for women making a claim to godliness. So we want to talk about the portraits of godly conduct in God's household. It's just like you walk into a, um, into a wonderful entryway and you see portraits. Uh, I know some of you have portraits of your children. Uh, that's what we've got. We, you walk in and you see portraits, pictures of our children. That's the idea. It's about people. It's about you and me. God's church. Okay? And he wants it in such a way. And that's what we're looking at here. Number one, we start with the men in the church. Men in the church. Meaning that the idea when he says, okay, therefore, I want the men in every place. Okay? Now, what's our context? It's about the the assembly, the church, the assembly of believers getting together, and he's saying, I want the men, wherever the church is meeting, like in Ephesus, Timothy was the pastor there at Ephesus, so where, whether they met in a home church or in a public place or whatever, I want men in every place that you meet for worship to pray. So letter A is know how to pray, men. Know how to pray. Sometimes we, we think, oh, well, that's, that's pretty simple. I, I know how to pray. Well, I don't mean God is great, God is good, and we thank him for our food. We, we must, men, we must move into more and more understanding of prayer. And not just how we feel about prayer, but how the Bible tells us about prayer. And track along with God's instructions about prayer. What's, what's the purpose of men praying? It's God's will. It's God's will that men lead in public worship in, in church. It's God's will that he would have men lead in prayer. 
Men in every place, right? Wherever they are meeting. So men are called to be spiritual leaders in the home first. Men, you're called to be a leader at home first. Then as we gather together, that ought to be reflected as we meet as an assembly, as a congregation, that men are taking the lead. There's typically a greater interest in spiritual things in women across the country than in men. Typically, in a general sense, there's typically more interest in spiritual things from women than from men. And and thus, the, the whole cultural sway of things leads to women taking leadership in church. That's come about over the you know last 60 to 70 years even it's not just recently and it's it, it comes why well part of it is due to men not standing up men not taking lead in the things of the church why well they don't typically take lead at home or maybe they're not concerned about the church maybe they rule with an iron fist at home so it's an important issue that we understand this as Um, Not just, you know, this passage, we read it and you think, oh, what's he going to say about women today? Well, you just, you wait. (laughs) But it's not just about women, it's about men. He starts with, like, okay, men, come on. I want men in every place to pray, lifting up holy hands without wrath or dissension. So we, number one, letter A, know how to pray. Are you... um, I'm not going to call upon you for next Sunday to lead. But, you know, we had a young man in our congregation lead in prayer. He loves the Lord. I don't want to lift up Matthew. I'm just saying, here's a man that loves the Lord. Okay? Um, and so it's, it's something that we want to encourage all men to be at a place in their lives where they're saying, yeah, um, I don't have any problem you know, understand what prayer is about because that's what I do in my own life, at home, on my own. Do you talk to God, men? Not just when you're in trouble, but do you talk to God regularly? Do you pray and do you understand prayer from the light of God's word? Okay, so that's what happens. That's what ought to be happening at home where you are the leader. God says you are the you know, husband's. You're to lead your families. And so it ought to be that way in the church. The principle follows in church. Letter B under number one is stand in holiness. Now I say stand in holiness in a, in, to, to point out he's not talking about a posture for prayer. He's saying lifting up holy hands. Now, the, the way that it is, it's not saying you've got to lift up holy hands uh, every time you pray. But back in that day, that was a typical thing that especially Jewish men would do. They would lift up hands. Okay? And this, is the, this was a posture, if you will, to pray. But the posture isn't a physical one. It's a spiritual one. Are we standing in holiness And do we understand that? And that holiness, listen, that holiness is not something that you attain. That's something that you, what? You simply receive. You receive 
Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. He's, he brings with him, here are the gifts that he, we, we sang about it. His righteousness, faultless to stand before the throne. That's by way of uh, having a righteous standing before God. Not something that you accomplish by good works. Something that you receive by what? Faith in Jesus. We must understand this. There's still some people that just figure it's by good works that I get more and more righteous. No, it's by Christ. That's what God's pleased with. Christ's righteousness in you. Okay? So that's where we, um, that's where we stand. That's your position. Are you in Christ? There's your position. Now, in men, we, you know, we're seeing this here. Uh, I want men in every place to stand, lifting up holy hands, okay? The idea here in stand in holiness, lifting up, um, the, the idea of lifting up is, is really, we can say, offering up one's life. You're, you're offering up and saying, God, look at me. Here I am. I've, I you know, can't hide anything from God. God sees my heart, my life. I offer up my prayer. I offer up my life. You know, I'm... I'm not saying that lifting the hands is a requirement. It's simply, it's like symbolic. I want to show forth holy, a holy character, a holy characteristic. Okay? It's not derived by uh, my good works. It's deri- it comes from God alone. So in essence, it's illustrating that I'm maintaining, if it's me, I'm the one on... Uh, I'm, I'm the one that people, are, you know, that the point is being made here. Well, I'm not trying to, you know, uh, show it's about me. I'm just showing forth. I'm trying to maintain an unpolluted kind of lifestyle. Lifting up holy hands. I want my life to demonstrate holiness. It's God's work of sanctification in your life. There's the contact. That's where it, it connects is when we understand it's God doing a work in my life to bring holiness in, into my life more and more. That Christ would shine forth, right? So, listen, men, we're talking about you. Has that made a difference in your life, the, the work of sanctification? I know it's not something that um, all comes in a rush. It happens, you know, just regularly throughout your day, throughout the week. Putting down sinful thoughts, lifting up thoughts that are uh, praising God and focusing on Jesus Christ. That's the, there's the work of sanctification that God's doing in your life. Okay? It's already established, so then practice that in your life then. Keep going in that way. If you're in Christ, you have His holiness, His righteousness. So start living that way. Now, comes to praying praying is something that we want to do it says uh, pray without what pray without ceasing be someone that is growing and learning more and praying more so it's it's something that you're very very accustomed to okay then the the final one letter c under number one is just keep short accounts it, it look what it says pray Lifting up holy hands without wrath and dissension. Don't have the distraction in your worship with stuff like anger. Stuff like dissension. You know, I, 
I put it this way for letter C in your outline, if you're following along with that. It's the idea of keep short accounts with people and with God. But it, it's also about wanting to have a blamelessness in your life. Can someone walk up to you and say, hey, brother, you got a problem. You know, you're, you're causing discord. Could someone come up and say that of you? Well, then it, it's something that if you're wanting to grow in the Lord, you want to say, wow, I, I better evaluate that in my life. I need to evaluate that so that I'm not causing problems. I want to maintain a godly approach and a godliness in my life, a, a godly character. That's what I want. And so he says, uh, do your praying, lift up holy hands without anger. Um, we deal with inner resentment towards others. Yeah? I mean, we have that kind of thing. It's just inner, an inner resentment towards somebody else. And that's like a... Uh, it just starts building up. And it's hard to get rid of. It builds up in your life. It's like the scaly stuff in the, in the shower or whatever. You, you don't clean it up after a while. It just builds scales up. And it's, it's nasty stuff. And that's what happens in your heart. You, you build up stuff like anger towards another person and it builds up and it's like, I just kind of throw your hands up. No, deal with it. Confess it. Don't let it build up in your life. Go and talk to the person. You know, guys can say, well, I have problems with anger. He explodes over stuff. Well, there's other guys that implode with anger. They let it simmer inside. They don't, let it explode guys you know it might be that you're one that explodes or implodes whatever it is be quick to acknowledge the anger issue in your life and don't let it get in the way of worship don't let it be a distraction to worship same thing with without dissension that's a spirit of unbelief Uh, it's an attitude of complaint driven by displeasure and thus it brings up discord in yourself and you can't help but just then kind of spill over onto other people with your discord. That's not what God wants. He would have there to be unity in the body. And a lot of times that, that thing of dissension builds up and then we start pointing at others. It's their fault. It's their fault. You've got to be on the alert for that. So what's Paul's point with this, first, this verse that we look at? What's his point? Don't approach God... In prayer with anger towards others or dissension or uh, complaining in your heart. Confess it. Plus, he's calling all men. He's not just saying, oh, just you leader guys. No, he's just saying, I want the men in every place. So he's calling for all men to be men. And behind that is the issue of humbling yourself, my friend. You and I, men, we need to humble ourselves before God on a regular basis. And then it's also with the issue of leading, saying, I want to step, step up and lead it. I want to step in this way and be, if called upon, I want to be ready to lead in that way. You lead at home, and we want to be leaders in the church. Okay? So, now, as before we move on, just remember this. No matter what you do or don't do regarding this topic... You lead in one way or another. You're leading for good or for bad. You're leading. Okay? So 
I want to encourage us to be men that say, yeah, I want to stand with the Apostle Paul in this. I want to stand with guys like Joshua. I want to stand with guys like Daniel. I might not be like Daniel or like Joshua. Wow, they're heroes of the faith. But I want to grow in that way. Men, we need you to grow in that way. Okay? All right. Number two, women in the church. Women in the church. Verse 9. Likewise, I want women to adorn themselves with proper clothing, modestly and discreetly, not with braided hair or gold or pearls or costly garments. Okay, now, it might be that you're visiting here today, and maybe, you're, maybe you braided your hair. I don't know. <laughs> um, we're not picking on you. <laughs> we're not going to have you come up and, you know, be up front here or something, or send you out either, you know. Here's the thing. We need to understand this is God's word. This isn't Paul's opinion. We, we need to start there. Because there's going to be more about women in the church to come next week. So get it, get it in now. And, and the, the neat thing is, in preparing for this message, I, I, I think, you know, over the years, not just, I'm saying it just today because we're covering this passage, but over the years, it is such a blessing to see our women and how they are and how they display themselves here in worship. God bless you. God bless you in that. Paul was dealing with a problem. Okay? He not only dealt with it with, here's Timothy in Ephesus, but here's, here's what's going on at Corinth. Similar things came up at Corinth. And so his letters aren't real warm and fuzzy. You know, it's dealing with, you know what, you've got to correct this. You've got to deal with this. So we want to understand, what is he getting at here with this verse, verse 9 and 10? And we'll do our best to cover this because, you know, there's all sorts of rabbit trails on this. That if you see me going down one, <laughs> throw a hymnal at me or something. <laughs> anyway, here we go. Letter A. Women in the church are to enhance inner beauty. That's, the, that's his point. Women in the church are to enhance their inner beauty. Their godliness. Their godly character. It's, and it, it's developed this way by Paul and how you dress. It's, it's the outward show of an inward heart. Okay, so it's how you're, again, how you're dressing for what? Going to the campsite up in the mountains or coming to church? No, it's coming to, being at church. Because there's all sorts of ways you could dress appropriately. This doesn't cover, oh, you've you got to wear this because you're working at the warehouse at Walmart. It, it's how it's understood with the context. Yeah, it's about church. Okay? So it starts with enhancing inner beauty, putting on display. Okay? Now listen to this. When we look at the verse, women should adorn themselves. Stop right there. The word adorn is simply to put in order, to arrange. And we would say, 
wow, you're well arranged this morning. <laughs> we don't say that. You know, I'm, te- I'm teasing. But we say, boy, you, you look pretty. That's a nice outfit. And that's what it means. It's fitting. It's the idea of fitting. And in a little bit, we're going to get to why he's dealing with this. But it's the word for adorn is cosmeo, which is from cosmology. And, you know, it's the idea of putting in order. Well arranged. It's tasteful. Okay? Then it goes on to say, in uh, adorn themselves with proper clothing or in respectable apparel is the ESV version. It's, and here with respectable, it's, the same, it's from the same root word in the Greek. Cosmios. It's not a verb now. Now it's an adjective. So it's describing the kind of clothing, the kind of apparel that ought to be displayed. In order, well arranged. Then he goes on to say, with modesty and self-control. With modesty and self-control. And this is where there's so much behind these two ideas. The King James, um, how many of you have a King James version with you? What does the word say there, Ron? Loud and clear, Ron. It's, it's the uh, verse nine. It, it's there's no, it doesn't say modesty. It says it's some shamefacedness. When is the last time you used that word? Uh, where are we going with that? Women, you ought to be shamefaced about you know, no. It's about dressing modestly, modestly. Okay, and it points to the idea of reverence. That's what it's pointing to. Um, looking down, shamefaced in, in looking down. The other idea behind it is to humble yourself. Have, there's reverence in this. Okay, and then in self-control and self with modesty and self-control. Simply stated, soundness in your thinking, soundness of mind is another word for that term self-control. Okay? Now, let me do my best here with this. Think with me now. What's the, what's the background that they're dealing with in Ephesus? Well, Ephesus had a certain temple. The, uh, the temple of Aphrodite. Prostitution going on there. All sorts of... Uh, you know, women involved in the temple service in Ephesus. Now, we aren't told in the text exactly how much influence that had on the women of the church in Ephesus. But it was similar to the problem in Corinth. They had to talk to the women about how they handled things there, how they were. And also here, Timothy is being told by Paul, you know what? Have the women dress in a certain way. You know, when you are saved, male or female, you have been saved and pulled out of darkness into light. You're separated from that which you were saved from. That's the the concept behind salvation. Separated from. And you're set apart. That's the idea of sanctification. Being set apart. And so it is here in this very visual world that we live in, Here's another reason why Paul is dealing with this. 
It's not going the route of worldliness like the others are. And let's face it, it, it's still going on today. Uh, Young women, young girls in school, it's easy to want to have the same kind of clothes that so-and-so has. I want to look like her. Well, she's got really cool clothes. Okay? And a lot of times, you know, in families, they just say, yeah, okay, go ahead and get it. Without much thought to the message being sent through that young girl. Okay? It's important that there's a, a distinction also. He, Paul is not saying, don't dress nice. He's not saying that. He's just saying, don't follow all the fashion trendsetters. Don't let the pagan culture set the standard for you and your fashion. Right? Now, I think this is, um, there's, a, there's a website for especially men called Covenant Eyes, is it called? Covenant Eyes. I think that this definition is from them. The definition of modesty, listen to this. The definition of modesty, and this goes for both male and female. A respectable manner of adorning one's body and carrying oneself. Born out of a freedom from a worldly definition of beauty and worth. It's motivated, and get this, it's motivated by a hatred for sin and a desire to draw attention to God. Now, might be that, you know, you're saying, well, <laughs> I'm way past this, Woody, <laughs> in how I dress. No, you're not. No, you're not. I don't care if you're 80 or 90 years old. You're not past it. Something that we want to give honor and glory to God in all that we do. However, keep this in mind. On the other side of it, we don't want to set up, you know, some narrow legalistic set of rules to then say, and now women, you will follow this. Some of us have been there before, been there, done that, in, in seeing that uh, put forth on people in the name of Christ, in the name of Christianity, is a dress code, you know, things like that. Um, so we got to be careful. What we want, rather than a legalistic rules and regulations about dress and what to wear, uh, we need to say, you know what, we want the gospel to do its work of transformation in the heart of a person. That's what we want. We want to show that is here's here's where godliness is. So, what was the sign of godliness? Well, it was not braided hair, gold, or pearls, or costly garments. He's that's what he's saying. Godliness is not that kind of a thing. Godliness is a matter of the heart. And so, women and men should dress well. And look their best for worship when we come to meet and honor God. Modesty means decently. Or modestly means decently, right? So, but dressing up simply to show outward beauty is not what he's calling for. 
um, you know, it's not like all you women decide to say, hey, I'm going to wear my wedding gown to church every Sunday. Why? Uh, we won't answer that. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> Sorry. But um, the point is to say, well, I'm going to dress up really good for God. Well, that's, that's going a little extravagant. And that's one of his points. Don't, don't act like, you know, you can flaunt it here and get all the, the hairdo and the, the jewelry going. Don't flaunt it in that way. Have it well-fitting. Have it proper. Have it in modesty and self-control. Letter B um, is exercise wisdom. Exercise wisdom. Now, here we get into another area of concern. The word that we're looking at is, again, self-control or discreetly. And it points to the issue of what reaction a woman might create in some man. Okay? That's an important part of what, you know, he's dealing with. Not only have modest dress, but have a modest demeanor. The first one under letter A, we want to have a caution. Beware and don't bring about worldliness. Here in letter, under letter B, we want to have a caution. Beware and do not cause stumbling. Don't cause a stumbling for others in how you dress. The culture gladly approves of women showing off their bodies for the sake of men looking at their bodies. That's what the culture will approve of. The culture does not typically connect the dots how, um, regarding crimes against women regarding how they dressed. And here we get into the area back to men. Men, what are you thinking? What comes to your mind? Do you have a, a quick trigger when you see a woman dressed in tight clothes? Is, your, you know, is that thing of lust and desire quick to kick off? So, now I'm not saying this is the only issue behind why women dress modestly and with self-control that no that's one of the issues in it that you have women you have brothers in christ that you are wanting to help okay you want to uh number one honor the lord in whatever you do and through this passage this is one of the things that kind of comes up that we need to understand okay now our um Age group here is typically, you know, a little older than younger. And so especially for the younger generation, it's very important that they understand this growing up. Young girls, you find yourself arguing with mommy and daddy about your clothing, arguing about what you want to wear. I don't think most of you do have that problem, but it might be that that's there. Trust God. I want you to listen to this, young girls. Trust God to work through mommy and daddy to help you in this regard. Now, um, how much do we go down this road of, um, you know, what kind of statement young girls make in how they dress? When we gather together for the church, for worship, 
what are we saying? Are we trying to draw attention of some one person to yourself? And so it's, it's critical that we think through these issues, okay? Helping young girls, especially, that w- they understand their significance is not based on what some guy tells them. Their significance is what comes from God and their faith in God and, and home, mom and dad, and what mom and dad are trying to point to them, point them to. So, um, that's the... That's the concept behind letter B. Exercise wisdom and help your young girls, your daughters, or granddaughters in learning about this issue and helping them to dress in a godly fashion. Okay? Notice it's not, um, it's not simply about sexual desires behind it either. There's also the issue of wealth. You know, you can dress up and kind of show off the bling, as they say, right? You know, show off the extra stuff because, you know, you've got great riches. Well, that was a problem that they had. So he's saying, don't go there. Don't do that. Don't try and put on some ostentatious whatever kind of show in coming forth in worship. It has no equation to godliness. Okay? So it's not that matter of dressing in some outlandish, expensive clothing to show yourself as having some great financial status. It's not it. Okay. So there's there's a lot there that probably could use some more uh, teaching, I guess. But for now, we'll move on. Letter C. Women in the church. They enhance inner beauty. They want to lift up Christ. They exercise wisdom. They understand what is out and about in, in, the, in the congregation, if you will. And then letter C is energized by good works. Look at verse 10. Energized by good works. Um, don't uh, bra- go with braided hair, gold, or pearls, or costly garments, but rather, verse 10, by means of good works, as is proper for women making a claim to godliness so are you making a claim to knowing the lord if that's the case then it's about what not how cool looking slick looking whatever it's about god uh, good works in your life good works so proceed with confidence that's the idea caution watch out for worldliness and caution watch out for being a stumbling block to other people and how you dress but now, with the idea of good works, proceeding in confidence because of his will. Confidence because of being in God's will. Romans 12, 2. To be transformed by the, what? The renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is. That which is good and acceptable and perfect. Colossians 1, 9, Paul prays that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And then 1 Thessalonians 4 says, For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor. Okay? So, let's be known 
by our good works. Because men, that's also true of you and I, not just the women. Well, women, you've got to show your good works by how you dress. Well, it, it's there for men also. We look at Titus chapter 2 and first Tim, uh, Second Timothy chapter 3. It's talking about good works for men. So it's not just picking on the women, so to speak. So verse 10 is basically giving us a simple equation. If you walk with the Lord and display God the conduct, then you'll, you'll be known for your heart, for your heart for the Lord Jesus and your service to him. So dress in a way that's not drawing attention to your physical features. You want to look good. You want to look pretty. It's good. But not for the sake of your physical features. Dress modestly, self-control. Okay? You're not trying to be unattractive. <laughs> you want to be attractive. That's, that's the point of, you know, hey, let's, let's, we're going to church. Let's dress up in a, in a, in a good way. So, Nothing really, what I get from this passage is Paul saying to men and women, don't let anything distract away from the object of your worship in Jesus Christ. Okay? Let's, let's wrap it up. It, it's point number three. Point number three is just, is this, this, this question. What's the center of attention in the church? What's the center of attention in the church? I know we all kind of run with what we see with each other. And, um, uh, you know, we've got a really nice sanctuary auditorium to meet in. All that, all that's good. But we have to go beyond that deeper and say, what, what's the real center of attention at Parkside Bible Fellowship? And let's face it, there are always, and there always will be, plenty of distractions, both strong distractions and subtle ones. Now, listen, I talked a little bit about this in Sunday school, that the strategy of Satan is not that difficult to track. He is a deceiver. He counterfeits God's work. He's a detractor. He's an accuser of the brethren. Yet, you and I, even knowing that, can still be duped and sent into doubt, depression, defeat. But it's mainly, if that happens, it's mainly because we're weak in applying the truth of God's word to our lives. Yes, many distractions. But the more that we align ourselves and agree with and apply the truths of God's word to the setting that we find ourselves in, especially in this context, in coming in to meet together and worship well, the more then we can have confidence that we rightly reflect God and display His glorious gospel in our lives. That's what we want. We want to display the, the glory of His gospel in our lives. Say, you see, and I, I can do that by how I dress? Well, that helps. Okay? It certainly helps. You could put a sign on you saying, here's the gospel, read this. But typically, that's a little bit, again, a little bit stretch of a thing there, right? So don't, you don't need to do that. Be ready with it in your, on your lips. And dress in such a way that shows, you know, here's, here's order. Yeah, looks good. Looking good there. That kind of stuff. Not for attention to your body. 
The center of attention in God's household is clearly Jesus and his gospel. What if you were to walk into my house and you opened the door and stepped into the entryway and saw a picture of my old girlfriend on the front wall there? Okay, get the picture? Don't laugh at me. We need to turn that to our church. What kind of portraits do we have in our church? We aren't putting portraits up here. We put verses of scripture so it draws our attention to God to worship Him. That's the point. Men, don't pray with anger and dissension in your heart. That's a distraction. Women, don't dress this way. That's a distraction. We've come to worship Christ. And that's what we do when we gather together. Let's remember that. Let's lift up Christ and understand this is why Paul made a deal about it in the scripture. Don't get to dress in in ways that show worldliness. Don't get to dress in in ways that entice men. And men, deal with things in your life. Ask God to use you for his glory. Remember, everything in the household, everything in God's household points to Jesus, right? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for the encouragement that you give us in your word, the instruction that you give us, the admonitions that you give us. Dear Lord, we also want to say thank you um, for our fellowship here. We, we are n- not anywhere near perfection at all. We, we have things that we need to grow in and, and, and make changes in. And we need to ask for your help in this, Lord. But I'm glad, Lord, for our women. Thank you, Lord, for godly women here that want to reflect Jesus Christ in their lives, even in the simple way of how they dress. And Lord, I pray that we as men would bless these women that we would encourage them and thank them and and be an encouragement one to another. Lord, there's so many distractions that we deal with. A lot of them we bring ourselves, but we we pray that you would help us, Lord, um, even like for next time we gather, to be ready to prepare our hearts and to give you our honor and praise. Because you are so worthy, Lord. Thank you for dying on the cross, Lord Jesus. Thank you for paying the, the full and perfect payment for our redemption. Lord, I pray that you would work in the lives of people here that have not yet put their faith in you. And I pray that they would make profession of faith and confession with their mouth, believing that Jesus died and rose again for them. Thank you, Lord. Guide us and direct for your sake and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.